This time, but no, not the mind probe. Episode number 90. I'm so excited that it's episode number 90. <laughs> Woo! And it's called. <laughs> Welcome to Nutziman's Pro. It's a French, it's a French man, bro. And for the benefit of those who listen to that introduction, it's called <laughs> It's All Relative. I don't, know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why something just struck me funny. I, I don't, I, I have no explanation. I would just. <laughs> <laughs> it's just very funny to me all of a sudden. Oh, yeah. it's the William Conrad Frisch. We have fun. We have fun. We've got a case of the sillies on No, <laughs> Not the Mind Probe. Then uh. we're going to France, uh, which is why I did that ridiculous French accent. Uh, you mean, oh, sorry, to be clear, in the in the plot line of this episode, you and I are not <laughs> doing some like tour of France where we'll be doing <laughs> signings and stuff like that. It would be... It would be great if, for no readily apparent reason, inexplicably, why are you showing us the TARDIS? Just oh, uh, I'm just doing color correction with the focus on the camera. By the way, check us out on YouTube uh, mm. at Mind Probe Show, or search for No Not the Mind Probe, and then scroll past the three actual No Not the Mind Probe clips, <laughs> and we're there. You can watch all these new podcasts on yeah. our YouTube. Oh, yeah, by the way, John. Mm. By the way, your name is John, and this is a podcast. Oh, oh yeah. Segways. Yeah, say. Well, I was talking about our French tour. I was planning our French tour, which I think oh. would be would be great if we just went to France and then just acted like we were really well known and famous, and just kept having events and random little French. And towns. Couldn't we do that if we did that? Couldn't we do that thing where we wrote it off? Like, isn't that a thing where we can mm. and you could mm. just throw that credit card into the sea or something <laughs> and never pay for it? Like, Apparently, you just, if yeah, you write okay. things off, yeah, they're free, and you may even make money. I don't I don't understand. Yeah. I understand. Those are the kinds of things I would love to learn on some sort of money advice podcast, which is not what this is. There it is. There it is. And then people immediately <laughs> turn this podcast. Like, I, wanted, I wanted to listen to a 15 Susie Orman money, money advice podcast instead of just, you know, like spending a little less and saving a little more. I need more podcasts. Only I just, if I had podcasts. I then. just hope, hope there's actually one person who's been listening for 90 episodes and it's like, Wait, so Sue Zorman is not coming on this. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anyway, this podcast, if you're listening, if you're still listening, which at this point is, is amazing, um, this podcast is uh, one where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever that has ever happened or ever, ever will. Ever. Yes. We will not stop. Even, even if we are forced to by the government, we will find a way. We'll go, go work on an oil rig. One of those underground pirate radio stations. Sure. Because the five people who listen to this podcast need to hear it to completion. I get it. I get I'll work it. on an oil rig just in preparation. <laughs> I'll just, just get up there, <laughs> get into the union or whatever's needed, and learn the trade. Of course, I'm going to be serious about it. I'm not just yeah, going to, like, you, should, you know. You because... And you know what? And uh, I was I was trying to segue into my name, but I lost it. So my name is John Grant, though. Yes, uh, I, I do know that. Uh, I've been watching. I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan. I've been watching it for thirty eight amazing years. My name is Porter Mason. I've been investing in index funds for twenty six <laughs> years, and then I put twenty percent of my income into into savings. Now, 
discretionary income. And this is important, John. You spend too much discretionary income on Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. The main point of this podcast is to try to get John's spending on Doctor Who down. Yeah, by watching more of it. And I thought we were going to monetize this podcast. Oh, yeah, we are. When is that happening? Well, it's it's a long game. What we're doing right now is we're building up a treasure chest of content. Okay. And memories. And memories. <laughs> then we're going to sell the rights to those memories mm. to a large conglomerate, uh, probably overseas. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to translate all this into Mandarin. <laughs> and then the money's really going to start rolling in. Yeah, it's the Chinese market where we're really expecting to, to explode, I think. Well, right now, we're in that early stage of Netflix where we're just putting a lot of energy in and money into just getting as much original content out there as possible. Now, for us, that means many 90 episodes of this one podcast. <laughs> yeah, but it's but, way better. At least um, we have moved on from your original idea for this podcast was we were actually just going to mail out CDs of it to people. That's uh, right. And they would listen and return yeah. them uh, as a subscriber service. And I'm glad we I'm glad we moved away from that into this digital format. I'm, not, I'm not totally <laughs> sold on on this this digital thing i still think that i i still regularly just throw cds out of my house uh do you remember how many cds came in the mail uh 20 years ago oh yeah aol cds people like I, i'm sure hey, you just get free cds in the mail yeah you just, just, just show up so yeah i'm sure you get plenty of you know direct mail junk mail now mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. back in the day you would just get cds and as a kid it was fun because then you could just like play with them and like you know break them and mess with them because they mm-hmm. were worthless cds that yeah, were being yeah. sent to you uh for aol that you already had so yeah. i don't know and then if you were a member of columbia house you would just get tapes that you didn't want and would be forced upon you that's and right you, you that's had right. to then you had to send them back or they were gonna charge you money it was a so it was a weird time each episode young. of this life in the <laughs> 90s podcast we look at two Doctor Who stories. We are going through the new Doctor Who series in order. We're on the just started the twelfth Doctor years, mm-hmm. and then John acts as our Doctor Who sommelier. He brings his immense amount of Doctor Who knowledge to bear, and and finds a perfect pairing mm-hmm. of of the story, mm-hmm. which I'm sure in this case, <laughs> John uh, also just you know listen similar, and then yeah. a perfect pairing with listen. Yeah, similar themes, similar dialogue, similar characters. Really, two peas in a pod. Really, yeah. Um, we're uh, we're moving on in the in the Peter Capaldi, Jenna Coleman years here. Um, the twelfth Doctor years, uh, with a very interesting, very different listen. Uh, by Stephen Moffat. Um, a very oddball Doctor Who story that uh, takes some big swings. Uh, and uh, you know, some kind of significant moments. Uh, really, especially towards the end there. And so I've paired that with. And now stay with me here. And I paired that with a first Doctor Steven story, where the first Doctor is really not even in it that much. Uh, but there's probably a lot of like, there's some horror elements and maybe some... No, nope, no, nope. it is a oh. deadly serious dramatization of a moment in French history that no one has ever heard of, <laughs> except French people, probably. <laughs> It's uh, but what happens here is is uh, in listen we meet a future a a, a future offspring uh, of a present day uh, uh, character uh, and in the massacre uh, at the very end uh, we meet a future offspring uh, of a character from the from the present day of that story uh, and so that was the link and I know it seems tenuous but I think you got to give me a lot of credit for finding <laughs> that link I mean that is. <laughs> All right, we're going to recap these episodes, John, by mm. Hooker by Crook. We Listen will. is the title of the new episode. And, and by the way, I like this because he just writes the title of the episode down 
yeah. on a blackboard several times throughout yep. the show. Yep. So the very first line is him just on the side of the house going, "Listen, listen." Yeah, in his Scottish brogue. Yeah, he's got his great voice. Uh, so we are at story number four. This is the fourth Peter Capaldi story ever. Series eight. We got the twelfth Doctor. We got Clara. When we have, as you mentioned. Danny Pink Danny checking Pink. back in, clocking and, in, and you're saying he he's going to become a, a regular, might even become a companion. He's is a regular. That, is that happening now, or because he hasn't stepped onto the TARDIS yet? That hasn't happened. No, yet. no, no, and that's going to become part of the storyline. But yes, he's oh, he's okay. he's becoming he's like Rory, but but not but we don't get quite as much Rory coming on board right as quickly. Yeah. All right. So let's play a clip from Listen that John has prepared for us. Where is he? Doctor? I can't find him. Can you find him? Find who? Wally. Wally? He's nowhere in this book. It's not a where's Wally one. Well, how would you know? Maybe you just haven't found him yet. He's not in every book. <laughs> really? Well, that's a few years of my life I've been eating back. <laughs> Are you scared? The thing on the bed, whatever it is, look at it. Does it scare you? Yes. Well, that's good. You want to know why that's good? Why? Let me tell you about scared. Your heart is beating so hard. I can feel it through your hands. There's so much blood and oxygen pumping through your brain. It's like rocket fuel. Right now, you could run faster and you could fight harder. You could jump higher than ever in your life. And you are so alert. It's like you can slow down time. What's wrong with scared? Scared is a superpower. It's your superpower. There is danger in this room. And guess what? It's you. Did you feel it? Mm. Ooh, good my life from there. Repeated at the end of the episode. Yeah. Where do you get it from? Uh, and apparently Wally, apparently only in the U.S. is it Waldo. Uh, everywhere else in the world, it's where's Wally. That's wow. He's, he's looking for Waldo in the book. What country is that? started i wonder i have no idea i mean well maybe denmark I don't know, he's wearing a little hat with a little pump and maybe Den- like something's nordic or something right mm. i don't think i mentioned this is story number 245 it aired the oh, 13th oh. of september 2014 and uh it's clara as well as danny pink yeah. and the doctor so i'll break down what i got from this episode <laughs> but i feel like there was it was an interesting episode so first of all it started off as kind of one of the more like horror flavored episodes mm. uh, of it where it was literally the doctor saying wait i think i'm on to something i think that feeling when you feel like you're not alone it's so universal you, we have dreams about it and he, he relays a particular dream about someone grabbing your leg from underneath the bed which i have not ever had that dream have yeah, you right. ever had i was it? just gonna ask you i was gonna ask you that too because like hey, we've all had that dream i was like ah. I've never had that. I've certainly had lots of different senses where you feel like you're not alone and things like that. Something under the bed. Of course, there's a common childhood fear, certainly, right? And we all have uh, our skittish about noise. Like, literally, that's how we evolved to be very skittish little mammals in the... you. That was selected for because if you were skittish, it's like when you do testing. If you get a false positive on that, Mm -hmm. it's really not a problem. Right. If you get a false negative and you don't notice a predator coming and up to dead. eat you, yeah. then you die and yeah. uh, your your genes don't care. Continue on. And of course, but, we've all had the experience 
we've all had a serial killer under our bed. I mean, I, I had that twice when I, mean, I was a kid. It was, it was, in the and same two weeks, it was annoying. Sometimes you're the serial killer. Sometimes you're the serial kill-e. Yeah, but, that's, you know, that we've song all on there. Sesame Street, Sometimes You're the Serial Killer. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Well, anyway, he's saying, I think, and I don't know that, it's not communicated why he's having this revelation, but you just see him in the moment of this revelation saying, I think it's true. I think I think I'm on to something. There's Perfect there hiding. is actually something way. there. He logics his way into it. Yeah. So okay. So he interrupts Clara, who's finally going on the date that we saw about two episodes ago, mm-hmm. where she mm-hmm. agreed when they mention on the date that it wasn't just us having two episodes. They clearly uh, had that- to like play some calendar tag and and they didn't have the date right after okay but they're finally sitting down to have the date show don't tell right i mean show like show the calendar tag you know classic writing stuff (laughs) so they're on the date and i think we already see them kind of having these fit they're they're just clearly very uncomfortable here's the funniest thing about clara's character I feel like I know more about Danny's character and why he might be a little nervous and in fits True. and starts on this date than Clara. I don't really understand why Clara is nervous other than, you know, generally people are nervous on dates. That is but- an awkward first date, right? No, no, I get it. I just mean, I think it's funny because I feel like we know more about Danny's life, yeah. which is just to say it's been referenced that he's a soldier yeah. and clearly went through some things with it, but also clearly is like fighting against what people when they everyone seems to know he's a soldier and puts things onto him right we we just already know that's the thing about him i know nothing about clara's life like i just Mm. don't know any other than the the changes of like you are a nanny teacher (laughs) who does live but does not live with the family had a family that you're totally devoted to but then we've never mentioned again (laughs) you have these these kids who are you like a second mother to who we will never see again (laughs) anyway so they're on their date and the doctor interrupts Mm-hmm. And well, no, no. she goes home remember the first she goes the sorry, date, sorry she, she goes walks home out of the, day. Yeah. the date was bad partly because she got into the soldier thing but there's a bunch of other things and then he says yeah come on he, he's so excited come on I, I have something with this i had an idea i have an idea so i i need you to your mind is going to guide the tardis and by the way, I like he has a, a great joke where he's she comes back and he's in her bedroom and the TARDIS is parked in her bedroom and she's like, "I told you I was on a date." And he said, "Yeah, I thought it might have gone well, and if you came back here, I was hiding so he wouldn't find me, so I hid in your bedroom." <laughs> right, anyway, right. Very innocent. And I like, she's like, "Oh, you already taking the makeup off?" She's like, "No." <laughs> Doesn't he make a comment in here, or is it later when he talks about like her giant eyes, her eyes, her giant made. eyes, yeah. and her, her enormously <laughs> wide face? And I really love it because she's. Yes, she's so beautiful. Yeah. And I love the things he finds to joke about her uh, to make fun of because they are genuinely true. She does have a very wide face and like <laughs> enormous eyes, which it is attractive, but it also it's funny that he picks on it. Anyway, so it gets into this like, hey, you're pulling. The- oh, Danny calls. No, no. Okay. So yes, the doctor right. says, I'm going to hook you up to the TARDIS. The, the TARDIS yeah. is going to follow your mental model. I want you to think about the moments when you're, you know, feel like you're not alone. You, you had that, that, dream. Yeah. that dream. And we're going to kind of investigate it and see if we can get into it. But Danny calls at that moment and he's like, no, 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 you can't take it. And then so we travel somewhere. Mm-hmm. And again, this is where it starts to feel like creepy. It's this house. We go into this kid. It's like a, Children's a home. group yeah. home of some yeah. sort. He's staying, but there's no one else there. So it's like we're in a memory or something. And does she get right away that it's 
Danny or not? Uh, she, let's see, she's outside the window and he says his name and she, she worries, she's worried it's Danny. Uh, he says it's, Rupert. he says it's Rupert and she's like, but then she's like Rupert Pink and she's like, eh, she's not hundred uh, percent sure, but she goes up and then, yeah, it's only later where she really gets the connection. So anyway, we, so we have this whole story where the kid's very scared of something in the bed and Claire's kind of t- trying to tell him it's nothing's there. But then ultimately, something does seem to be on the bed and comes up creepily in a sheet. It's very horry. The mm-hmm. doctor appears and says, and basically says to them, he he comes in with a sort of brash confidence and is saying like, ah, hey, you know, just ignore this and whatever. But then is saying like, oh no, that's I have no idea what's going on. This is scary, and I don't know what that is. Or <clears> he's <throat> saying it could be nothing. Right, it could be a kid from down the or, hall, or or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, those are her two options. And it, it gets into this thing. I thought we were going to get back into the angels because yeah. it was this thing of like turn away from it and then ignore it. Right? Because his argument is like, all right, if you to remember, he's working on the theory that it's a perfect hider. Uh, he's like, right, perfect yeah. hiding. Then we'd never know, and so and, we'd never know, which is logically not in not impossible. And then and he says, okay, well, what would happen if you did suddenly if something was like that and then you suddenly saw it? Like, well, that would be very dangerous, probably. So he's like, let's pretend we don't see it. Uh, and then it will and then it will eventually go away. Yeah. And, and the speech, the speech you just played, I really loved it. It's something I actually want to say to my daughters. I really like the idea of saying like, hey, when you're scared, that's that's actually great. You are so ready to handle whatever is happening, because like if you're scared, you you literally have superpowers. I thought that was great. And they're like, Daddy, the house is on fire. Could we do this outside? And you're like, no, no, no. This is important. <laughs> this is a teaching moment. And what was interesting, too, because immediately after that point, he gets very like, no, don't don't coddle the kid. Don't say this to him. Tell him really what's happening. Tell him the oh, problems yeah. or whatever. But and in that speech, in is like, no. he's being such a great he's being so great with the kid mm-hmm. and then he immediately kind of switches back uh, anyway so at the end of that sequence we also see like oh we're gonna set up these little army men they're gonna protect you and then we get to it, it's like oh this is the defining moment that sort of made danny want to become a soldier later and there's a particular one that they leave that she's like this is the colonel he's in charge um and so that becomes important later the mm. interesting thing was i wasn't really paying attention to the time I thought this was we were getting to the end of this sequence and they get kind of get through it. We still don't know what this thing is or if it was a thing. Clara says, I need you to do something for me. And and she's like, take me back. She basically goes back to the moment in the restaurant where she left. And yeah, like, I'm going to walk day. back in and finish the date. Yeah, it still doesn't go well. No, because it, among other things, the main thing that sets it off is she slips and says Rupert, which there's no way she would know this. And from Danny's reaction, he's like, I've never told anyone my name. So what's going on? I need I to know. Thing, like, somebody, I heard it from somebody. <laughs> and then she just kind of stops. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So it goes poorly again. And then in the middle of, sorry, in the middle of that, uh, spaceman man in yep. spacesuit comes in leaves she assumes it's the doctor and so when she comes back under the tardis she's like what what are you doing don't mm-hmm. please can you just not come in in the middle of this to the spacesuit but it takes off the spacesuit mask it's not the doctor it's someone who looks just like danny so i uh, i was ready for the, like and credits and then i happen <laughs> to look at my 
you know, my iPad, it's like, oh, this is like halfway through the episode. I'm like, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> so then a whole happened. nother plot starts, you know, in a way. I mean, I just mean, this is a whole second act to this mm-hmm. story where, okay, this isn't Danny. This is, we think, it's not totally clear, but his like great grandkid or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we find that it's the same. We're saying it's it's Danny. It's the same actor, but yes. But uh, and what we find out is that this what, what is his name? Orson. Orson. Orson has been is the one of the first time travelers, like experimental time travel, like Which Apollo people, mission type time travel. Do people name their kids Orson? Are there any Orson? I mean, the, the only Orson I know is Orson the one Wells, Mork talked yeah. to, and Orson Welles. So it was Mork calling Orson. Come in, Orson. Another no, I guess it's not not common anymore. Yeah, and then Orson Welles. That's a good name. That's a I'm, I, I yeah, see that making a comeback. Or would you call Ors? Hey, Ors. Ors. Orzo. Sure. Like Ors. the pasta. <laughs> Kids love pasta. <laughs> so they that <laughs> is very true. So, yeah, he was like, again, an, a Mercury astronaut version of the time traveler. He was sent forward. And basically, the doctor says, like, yeah, when that happened, sometimes it worked <clears throat> and sometimes they ended up at the end of the universe. Yeah. So he ended up on this planet at the end of the universe, which I want to come back to because we've already been to the end of the universe and this is different. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that matches up, but it ends okay. a lot of different ways. Okay. And on this end of the universe, <laughs> it's basically like, yeah, he's the last the man. <laughs> he's the last being standing. Like he's here yeah, at the, the end. Bigger. There's nothing else is alive. He's been there for six months. He's been marooned. Yeah. And the doctor says like, he's, you know, he says, oh, great. You can take me back to where I, you know, started. Because, again, he was only supposed to go a week ahead in time. You take me back to my time and place. And the doctor says, you're lying. You're you're very scared here. And he thinks and he realizes that uh, Orson r- thinks that there's something else there. And there's all mm-hmm. these clues about it. So it's like, oh, it's back to this childhood trauma. It's like, but it's sort of odd because it's like, but this isn't Danny. So this is like, is it a generational trauma? Well, uh, the, the doctor's thinking... Is that everyone has this. Right. And so he just keeps chasing down. So I think he I think he says something like uh, he dropped Clara off and then was still obsessed with this idea of looking for these things and thought, OK, maybe Rupert's timeline will somehow lead him to that thing. Right. In the same way he was hoping yep. Clara's would. And then but anyway, Rupert's timeline led him to the grandkid or whatever. Right. So yeah, he's still yeah. Chasing, he's still chasing those things. And then he gets there. He's like, oh, this is perfect. There is supposedly nothing else. Uh, in the entire universe. Um, so now would be the time that these things would be like, yay, we're free. We don't have to hide anymore. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, I can see them. So Orson's like, that sounds great. I'll be staying in the TARDIS. Yeah. I'm just and uh, Clara and the doctor say, we're going to, we're going to, it's the equivalent of we're going to stay up all night. It's like yeah. you sleep over things like we're going to stay up all night and see if Santa comes. So they stay out all night. So then these things happen that you can maybe explain or not. I don't know. Maybe they're not explained. So they stay up. They stay out in the space station or whatever his ship, I guess. I don't know. Oh, man. Pod. And they they start to hear noises just like you would like noises under the bed. Like but then mean. they are real noises and like pounding. And then the lock starts to turn and open. And the doctor says, go in. I need you. Claire, go inside the TARDIS. And she's like, no, I'm staying here with you. And I f- you'll remember the line. But he, he says something to her like, you ha- you have to listen to me. Or, yeah, you have to listen to me now. So that's part of the deal or something on these. Is yeah. That you have to. Yeah. Like, I don't just take orders from you or <laughs> yeah. I don't know, something. So so she goes inside and she's watching from the, the TV, the monitor. And then the door does open, meaning the. The, depressurizing. Yeah, it's depressurized. The air is flowing out. So then Danny goes out. I'm Orson. sorry. 
Horson goes out and saves the doctor, brings him back in, and then Clara just like we he's back in, so we just oh the doctor's kind of unconscious. Yes, Uh, he's unconscious. So Clara's like, we just need to get out of here, wherever we are. Yeah, she she puts her hands in the thing. Right. So she goes in and then ends up. So Danny and the doctor say, Horson and the doctor stay in the ship. Claire goes out to see where they are. Well, because, all right, so she's got her things in a thing. And remember, he's like, yes, you have to concentrate if you're distracted. And then at one point, the doctor, like, has a spasm or something and sits yes. up. And, and so, so she's, like, like she's thinking about the doctor. doctor. Yeah, exactly. Right. Well, we don't know any of that. But, yes, that's happening. But the, so then in the scene, we're in, like, a it looks like a farmhouse. Yeah, little barn. And so then she slides under the, right, right like a barn. And she slides under the bed, or no, she overhears for no, yeah, the she kid, slides under the bed. The bed crying. People come in. There's, yeah, there's coming a kid in, in the yeah. bed, and then and she kind of thinks, and we think, oh, that's Danny again, like yeah, or something. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then people come in the room, so she slides under the bed. So we overhear this conversation. And they're like, oh, he's just sitting in bed crying all the time. Well, and and the male voice is like, well, he's he's just got to get it together. Like we can't just comfort him all the time. Kind of sounding like the doctor. Mm-hmm. And then they're saying, well, he's never going to be a soldier if, if that's no, what he wants. So again, it's like, oh, this is Danny. He's, Danny. he's never going to be a Time Lord. Well, what he said. but they say something right before then. And then oh, they yeah. Yes, you go to the Academy. Yes, yes, you're right. The right, Academy. Right. I'm sorry. I guess that's yeah, true. Yeah, I thought yes. they said soldier. Well, at yeah, any rate. Maybe, yeah, maybe they just say something. Like yes. At then any we rate. Find out, then, yeah. yes. Then the conversation continues. And we hear like, it's a Time Lord. So like, oh, my gosh, this is the doctor yes. as a kid. And Jenna Coleman has some great face acting going on here. Like, yes. Like, her yeah, huge, wide face yeah. is acting really well. <laughs> Giant eyes. <laughs> so and then the kids uh, that the doctor stands up and she grabs the leg and so it's a really great little moment of like oh this that's funny that like he has this thing of it's this real. dream and this this actually happened to him but it was clara again she's threaded throughout every moment of <laughs> i do i do have to say it was a of the things that happened in this that was a fantastically written and directed moment because yes. inevitably it, it you only after you don't expect it. Like even when she goes under the they're bed, just ahead of you, didn't like, expect it. Just then, ahead like, of yeah. you. Then he puts his legs down and then she, and like, uh, and it's done so well because you're as surprised as she is. And you, have, and you realize at the same moment she does, you're like, Oh, it's really well done. And I, I, I don't know if they thought about this, but got to assume they did because of how it worked. That's partly helped by, she was under the bed with Dan, with kid Danny in the other scene as yep. part of the scene so when she's under the bed you're not just it's, yeah. you're not thinking of that like that's not you know yeah this it's is more that she is. Is. she's under everyone's bed she's, she Clara. she's under everyone's bed well wouldn't that be nice if like the monster under your bed was Claire <laughs> Oswald like, well, that's, that's fine like, that's, <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure when you're probably a 16 year old teen boy <laughs> there, that's true so okay so it's him she she actually talks to the doctor and she's yeah. like get <laughs> in the bed <laughs> I don't know why that that was sort of funny because then he gets in, falls asleep, I guess, which I find confusing that he would finally be able to fall asleep. Does and she kind of talks him. She comforts him. Yeah. She gets back on the ship, uh, on the TARDIS, and says, "I'm not telling you where we are. You just need to leave." She kind of gives the same thing back to him. Yeah. Right. And then they do, and then uh, that's kind of it. Like yeah. it just sort of ends. So she gives I, him a hug. Gives him a hug. Oh yeah, he's like no hugging. <laughs> but yeah, I found this really fascinating, confusing in a good way. Of like, I need to watch that again. Like, uh, what happened? Yeah. yeah. And uh, like I said, it really felt like two, and in some ways, because of that last bit with the doctor, kind of like three different episodes. Like all, it was very packed. Yeah. Episode. 
Yeah, I think so. It's, it's Stephen Moffat. I think so. The the a couple sort of starting points for him. One, he said um, he's like, oh, I'd like to actually prove I could still write, like which is ridiculous for him to say. But he's like, he hadn't. He'd been doing like these big sort of grand adventure stories or whatever. And he's like, I'd really like to do a chamber piece again, like a small, you know, character driven thing like that. Um, and then he was trying to think of where to start. And I guess he was like, well, what if you're the doctor? What would you do when you're alone? What would happen to you when you're alone? And he's like, you'd probably develop these obsessions, which is sort of what that whole opening thing is about. And I think in it, this is one. This is one that is worth rewatching because if you go back through it again, it is done in a way that the intent is to, is for you to say there could actually be no monster, right? So he's come up with this idea. He's become obsessed, with, and I actually think that's the point. I think I think there is no monster. I think he's okay. become obsessed with this idea, uh, and then now he's seeing it. Everything he's filling in, right? Like it. Pro- every single thing that happens, and even and you see it in the scene at the end where he he and Clara are sitting there, and the noises are happening and stuff like that. And he's like, well, that could be the engines doing a thing, and that could be. The the temperature settling and like all of these things. And, you know, the thing on the bed could have just been a kid playing a prank and like all, and you even see it, it's even for uh, um, sort of um, hinted at in the, remember he meets the, he meets the guy and the, that runs the children's home or whatever. Uh, and he's like, you know, you put something down and it's not there again, like your coffee cup or something. And then the guy turns around and then turns back around and the doctor's gone and the coffee cup is gone. But then the next scene, he's like, picks up, he just sips the coffee, like the doctor stole it or whatever. <laughs> and it's even, and this is again, why Steve Moffat is a brilliant writer. Even that clip, that joke about where's Wally uh, of the doctor being like, I've been looking for him in every book I've ever read. Uh, he's like, well, that's years of my life. And the kid's like, he's not in every book. And he's like, well, that's years of my life. But right. Even that is sort of relates commenting to on this. Right. So, yeah, I think the idea is like this is sort of a, a, a musing on obsession. Uh, and, uh, you know, wh- what would the doctor do in this situation? And so, yeah, everything has an explanation. And then I guess you see the end you have it like, Clark, you know, he, it's not a nightmare. The, the thing grabbing your ankle under the bed is not a nightmare it's it really happens to him <laughs> right so there there was a thing under um the bed i think is it truly a common dream we, we both I said we've know. never had it again i don't know i've never had it i don't i'm trying to the, i mean the common dreams i have are i still have dreams where i can't i'm supposed to the most common dream i have is actually that i'm supposed to be taking a i, I haven't finished my credits for college or <laughs> like like you know i, I missed a, i haven't been to a, a class for an entire semester uh, and I need to take an example. Like that's my common, uh, that's my common dream. I used to have a really common nightmare, but of just like which uh, in different forms, I, I think is kind of just being chased. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I, mine was I was being chased down like a sewer, like a teenage mutant ninja turtle, like New York oh. sewer by dogs. Like it was oh. a recurring nightmare when I was little. But I, I haven't had, had it in years. Then you confront the dogs at the end of the storm pipe, and then and, and then you're like, "I didn't kill my wife," and they're like, "We don't care." <laughs> it really looks like that. Yes, fugitive storm pipe. Yes, that's what yep. it is. I don't. So, and the dogs go, "I don't nope. care." <laughs> Yes. This is Peter Capaldi giving a great performance, I think, uh, in this one and sort of playing this this obsession uh, character. And, and like you said, the Mercurial, like really good with the kid at one point and then shifting to being very like it's like it's not a shift like in a way. Like it's like he's he's telling the kid what the kid needs to hear to get through that moment. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, at the next moment, it's like the moment's passed. Now, just be honest with the kid. Right. And he's like, we don't right. need to. And Clara's like, no, you idiot. We have to do that. And I, nothing he's saying about fear. It, it is kind of meant to pump the kid up and move past the yeah. situation, but it's not lying to him. It's all true. No, no, it's right. True. You know? Right. He's just, he's very direct. Uh, 
you know, interesting that we were talking about this last episode of our show, which we recorded, I can't even remember. Weeks ago. Uh, yeah, weeks ago. But I think finally Jenna Coleman and Clara are getting some character here, right? I think there's a lot going on, right? She's, you know, her, her we've known in the past her ability to connect with children and the compassion yes. with them and that fantastic scene of her talking to Rupert and she like dives under the bed to prove to him that it's safe. <laughs> Um, uh, I think the entire date uh, going on with uh, Danny, there's a lot of great moments there. And like her, you know, her, uh, she's kind of being flippant at one point. And then suddenly like he says something about her and she gets very, she reacts very strongly to that. And then you get her afterwards, the reaction after that. You've got, uh, uh, I read one review actually, and I agree with this. Uh, uh, it's a kind of impressive performance between her and uh, uh, Danny in that she, you know, obviously Danny and Orson are the same actor. It's heavily implied, most likely, that Orson is a descendant of hers. Uh, and so they're like, so she and she she needed, they both needed to play like there's no sexual tension between them. Right, right. <laughs> like, <you can't> <laughs> right. And so they do a pretty good job of that. Uh, and then, yeah, and then her confronting the doctor. I, this is, this is, I think Clara starts to come into her own a lot in this episode. I thought it was a very strong performance. And I think their relationship, the Dr. Clara relationship, uh, is finally starting to crystallize a little bit, or this modern, this this newest take on it. I, I agree that her performance is very strong. I, I would like to still just continue to, it's maybe just like, an, again, an information thing. I just want to know more about yeah. her life. I'm actually just thinking back to my not, like I liked Rose fine, but not my favorite companion. And I just, well, we joked about on the show. I just felt they harped on her for a very yeah. long time, but you knew so much about Rose's world. You knew yeah. so much about her life and we've had so few. And with Amy and Rory's too, you would go back to earth during their, yeah. you would, you know, like the doctor would hang along. Well, that's like, where we're headed, right? So that's so what we're, oh, we're going to see I'm, a I'm lot more of this, of her life with Danny or this developing relationship. We don't get much past. Um, so she's still a bit of an enigma from the past, but we do start to get more of her, her current life okay. uh, and seeing her. Uh, and there's an episode that takes place at her work, at her school coming up, uh, stuff like that. The barn is the barn from Day of the Doctor. Oh. Right, this little flash to the war doctor at one point. Um, so you know, significant place for the doctor. Um, this is this is a lot of so obviously the earliest we've never seen back in the history of the doctor, right? Him as a child, which was people thought this would be more controversial. I don't find it particularly, you know, it'd be one thing if it was just like a kid dressed as William Hartnell wig or something. <laughs> you don't really see the kid or anything or having dialogue. That's fine. Um, but again, so the. She has a line where she says, fear makes companions of us all, which is actually a line from Unearthly Child, the very first Doctor Who story. Oh, wow. Uh, he says it in the episode three to Ian and Barbara about when they're escaping the cave and whether fear makes companions of us all. So nice little, nice little link, loop around, uh, loop around there. And then, yeah, also I do like, I, this is interesting. Again, Stephen Moffat seems to like to play with these themes and I feel like he feels like he didn't, he doesn't quite get them one time. So he tries them again to see if he can get them right. And this is even more, we saw this a little bit with Amy and Rory, but now clearly like Clara doesn't travel with the doctor. He drops in on her and is like, Hey, come on, I'm doing a thing. Uh, and like, yeah, and yeah. she's like, how long have you been traveling by yourself? Right. I mean, like he, you know, she, he could have been gone for him for 20 years. Uh, and she, which obviously big finish is going to have a field day with this, but he, uh, you know, he's like, Oh, I'll, I'll just drop in. So, you know, her like, and this, this is going to continue to happen too. him just kind of popping in on her life, you know, where it seems like a lot less, I mean, this, this tension will start to come to the fore and it's happening. Even here, you've got Danny sort of being like, Hey, are you lying to me? There's something you're not telling me. And she's sort of like, you have no idea. Uh, but 
that's going to come to the fore here. But it seems a lot more more oriented towards Clara's life is is more continuity than you know with the Pons, where it seemed like they they were on the road with him more. Whereas here, it sounds like she's it's much more sort of pop in, pop out. Kind of yeah, thing. no, that's true. There you go. All right, well, why don't we head to our classic episode? Let's do it. The Massacre or The Massacre of St. Bartholomew's Eve. Yeah. This is uh, another missing tale. It was season three, so we're still pretty early on. Yeah. Season three, story number five. It features the first doctor and Stephen. And then at the very end, the last episode we discussed earlier, Dodo. And what what do we got? The the 22nd story. It's in four parts from the 5th of February to the 26th of February, 1966. And uh, John has a clip for us. I'll play that. No, here it is. My dear Stephen, history sometimes gives us a terrible shock. And that is because we don't quite truly understand. Why should we? After all, we're all too small to realize its final pattern. Therefore, don't try and judge it from where you stand. I was right to do as I did. Yes, that I've come to believe. Even after all this time, he cannot understand. I dare not change the course of history. Well, at least I taught him to take some precautions. He did remember to look at the scanner before he opened the door. And oh, God, oh, God, none of them could understand. Not even my little Susan or Vicky. And as for Barbara and Chatterton, Chesterton, they were all too impatient to get back to their own time. Perhaps I should go back to my own planet. Drama. Drama. Oh. Yeah, big, big speech big from speech William Hartnell. Yeah. And by the way, I wanted to mention, as we're seeing more of Peter Capaldi, he strikes me as this mix of, there's a lot of like Hartnell to him, to me. He's Hartnell's age. I mean. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. And they are the same age. And uh, he definitely still, like he has the kind of, so it's almost like to me, he's like Hartnell and David Tennant, like mixed mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. With actual Scottish accent. Yeah. You coward David Tennant. Yeah. Yeah. You coward. They've recently recast the first Doctor uh, with David Tennant, actually, though. Oh, good. So he's oh, That's good. <laughs> I'll go through this a little, but I, I, A, I can only, this was another missing one. I yeah. forgot if I mentioned that in the preamble, but uh, so I was gone. only able to listen to it on audio. Very so little remains of this one, yes. Drift at times. Yeah. Yep. And a lot of characters. As, as you mentioned, uh, either on this episode of the podcast or when we were introducing it in the last episode that we were going to talk about this this is about a period in history i know nothing about mm -hmm. so and I, I guess it's not like i know a lot about king richard and the crusades but i'm generally aware of this time period i'm generally aware of the themes or is this like i just don't know anything about it so i found it hard to pay attention to because i didn't like in some of the others you're, you think i kind of know what's generally going on right. and i can take cues whereas this i just don't know so uh, anyway this are, is bad guys are, yeah. <clears throat> They're in Paris in 1572, and there is a religious massacre of Protestant, the Huguenots, which I remember hearing the Huguenots, but yeah. tensions between, wouldn't you know it, Protestants and Catholics. <sighs> Would you I people mean, just get it together? Come on. Uh, and yeah, apparently there's this huge massacre of Huguenots, which happens during the episode. I mean, they, they relate to it. and. Mm -hmm. Basically, what ha I like again, you can talk more about it. I honestly not going to get into all the plot, but ba basically, they are inserted into this. He's there with Steven. Yeah, they're inserted into this. They get involved with some of the characters, and then the doctor someone's like, "We need to get out of here. This is going to happen. Th this yep. massacre is going to happen." He does try to warn the one young woman of saying, "Like, you need to go home, and yep. you need to stay Trap with your aunt, and don't and yep. don't come out of your house." But Steven's like, "What? 
no, we have to stop. Come on. We know, we know that these, there's going to be this huge massacre. We have to do something about it. He has a big speech about it. Mm. And the doctors, as you've said, I don't know how much has been said actually up until this point, but it has happened at other points where they right. say like, we cannot change these Can't moments. Yeah. These are, and he doesn't use this terminology, but it's used later. These are fixed points in time. We right. can't change this. And uh, it really frustrates Stephen, and he leaves when, <laughs> when they get back. He's like, he just walks out and we, hear the speech we just heard the first doctor to me is interesting in this episode because he feels very old and and he feels a little lost at times and even in the speech he feels a little it, it feels like a very much an older person giving the speech of like he's regretting these things in his life it, it feels yeah. like like he has this depression of age yeah uh, and um it's interesting like it's it's <laughs> I'm, I'm, and from what we know of the background of it some of this was probably is happening with him he we, he's not that old but he no, he's he young is as a doctor but he's old as an actor right yeah and he and he yeah anyway and i think they're still playing him as he's an old ancient being that he's clearly yes yeah well, yeah so they really played here and it's it's interesting, but yeah, there's times where he comes in and out of this, and he looks feels like a little confused. To be honest, well, I don't he's, know. He's the double, right? So this is a yeah, doppelganger yeah. story, right? Yeah. And so there's, you know, he's he's yeah. And then sorry, and then to just say, then the the notable thing that it did is then Stephen comes back. Dodo just like happens in, in, right? Yep. They just yep. pull her in because policemen are coming, and then they find out that like, oh, this is the descendant of possibly, this, yeah. She has yeah, the same this one last we just name. saw, and that kind of reignites Stephen. I was like, oh, like, okay. <laughs> oh all right well aren't you a breath of fresh air she did Let's live i guess yeah right that's true and then he knows that right because when he comes out he's like if i don't see them alive like i what are we even doing what are we doing here right. and then so, yeah, we can't even save these people which is true to what like donna and stuff i talked about too do we think the doctor knew no not so that's just no, random it's a, it's a random coincidence and that it, that's where it starts to fall apart the her introduction is just one of the worst companion introductions ever um which is fitting because she also is one of the worst companion exits ever <laughs> um which is coming up actually oh, in a few stories from i now. thought we saw that one no we didn't not yeah uh, we've seen it soon no this is a heart no light episode i mean this is this is yeah yeah he disappears yeah or... i mean he goes off to look for preslan who's the apothecary uh who's doing work on germs i think and so he disappears, and then the abbot of Bambois looks exactly like him and sounds exactly like him because, of course, it is William Hartnell playing a character. And so much and of the Stephen's story convinced is, it's him. The... Yeah, exactly. Which is, I think, is sort of the crux of the story and why I I enjoy it on a on a level, or I, I struggle with it. So this is a very rich, detailed historical story. There's a lot of characters, uh, and the, the the story is basically, if I understand it correctly, my limited knowledge of this era. Uh, is you have France divided between Catholics and Huguenots, which are Protestants, and I believe it's a, uh, uh, I think the Queen Mother, uh, Catherine de' Medici, is the uh, is Catholic, uh, and she's the regent for the, the King Charles IX, who came into power young. She still wields a lot of power, uh, and he's trying to unite the kingdom by by marrying the prince to uh to i think the princess that you know and the princess anyway trying by marriage to unite catholics and protestants and then what's going on is uh the admiral de colony that is uh is a, a minister who is trying to get france to intervene uh in the dutch civil war which is about 
Um, so the Dutch were trying to free themselves from Spain. The Dutch uh, very efficient. So I lived in Amsterdam for all. The Dutch were very efficient because they basically had their civil war and their war of independence at the same time. Well, that's nice. So, yeah, like, they were like, let's just, just knock this out, everybody. So the, the, <laughs> the, the Dutch uh, were controlled by Spain. And what was their which, civil war over? Like tulips or something? Yeah, exactly. And... They're fighting over tulips. So, so the, the Dutch were controlled by Spain, which was Catholic, and they wanted to overthrow the Spanish ruler. And so the Protestant Dutch uh, were, were happy to do that, and the, and the merchant Dutch, the 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 sort of wealthy Amsterdamers or whatever. Um, but then the Catholics of, of the Netherlands um, were opposing. So the civil war was overthrowing off the Spanish ruler. The Dutch were fighting amongst themselves while also fighting Spain. And then France, the question was, does Spain intervene or does France intervene uh, on the side uh, of the Dutch uh, or the Spanish? And obviously there's this sort of back and forth with I think, uh, uh, King Philip or Prince Philip, whatever, I uh, think King Philip of France, so uh, of Spain. So very complicated uh, <laughs> historical stuff. Yeah. What's interesting about it, and I think this is intentional, or if it is, it actually should be done more, I thought was kind of cool, is because this is a historic, this, it's not something anybody, even, you know, even people in, in the UK are going to know a lot about. Yeah. So it's history, like normally when you go into history, it's like the French Revolution or the, you know, something and we all know who roughly who the characters right. are, right? Who the good guys and the bad guys are. Here we don't, right? Here it's Stephen kind of being thrown into it. And we think the Huguenots, I guess, are nice to him. But actually, there's the, the one guy's kind uh -oh. of a jerk. And like they buy him a drink. So we're like, I guess we like Huguenots now, right? I mean, like, and Stephen is as mystified as we are, like who who the good guys are and who is the Stephen bad guys are. present day? Is he from the 60s? Uh, no, he's from the future. So he's like, oh, from the, he's a space pilot from the far future. So actually. Actually, he wouldn't he really wouldn't understand the religious thing at all. This is by John Lucarati, who wrote the Aztecs uh, and then Donald Tosh. And this is also a significant is Donald Tosh was the script editor. John Wiles was the producer. And they were trying to edge Hartnell out. He's getting old. He's cantankerous. And they were trying to. And so they were experimenting with different ways to see if the series could work without him. Uh, and that's why you get this Dr. Light episode, right? It's like, oh, what if Steven were the main character? Or what if it was another traveler or something like that? Um, and so that's a little bit of the experiment that's going on here. But apparently they in writing the story there was disagreement between Lucarati and Tosh uh, Tosh rewrote most of the scripts and like I think Lucarati originally wrote it as the doctor was in fact supposed to be impersonating the abbot uh, and I think Donald Tosh took all that out and was just like oh they just happen to look the same so that leads to what I think is the most interesting part about this story for me because Stephen I go back and forth on Steven because, uh, you know, you listen to it. He's a little annoying. He takes him. A, he seems a little dim. Like he's just like every time he sees the doctor, like then he thinks the doctor is posing as this in, is in disguise as this person. He's just like, doctor, what are you doing? Why are you in this weird disguise? It's just like, hey, dude, if you think he's trying to do something like undercover, <laughs> stop blurting out his name and right, doing anything right. to have him explained. But that's why I think to me, it's like if you it's like all the characters in this story are in this very rich, complicated historical costume drama. And Stephen thinks he's in a Doctor Who story. Right. Like uh, everybody else yeah. is doing just normal stuff. And Stephen is like, well, obviously the doctor has substituted himself uh, as a duplicate of this abbot for reasons passing understanding uh and you know this must be some secret plot that the doctor's involved in and he's manipulating and maybe aliens are going to bait it it's like steven is just like i'm in a doctor who story um and all the other characters are like i'm in a i'm in a very serious costume drama <laughs> right right it's very um uh, and so i i can't decide i, I again it's like i like steven and uh, this is peter purvis uh his performance is very good 
Uh, and the acting in this is very, very good. And there's a lot of very rich dialogue scenes, like similar to the crusade that we listened to, uh, listened to slash watch slash talked about a couple weeks ago. Uh, and, but it is, it's a very, it's very jarring. And I, 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 I'm all over the place on, on how I feel about it. Uh, and then, yes, we do get the introduction of Dodo, who is, it's a complete, it's a complete mess. <laughs> uh, also, if you notice, you don't, you, we've had a, we've had the arc, I think. We've had a couple of Dodo stories and the gunfighters. We've done a few. She's kind of like, just the, like, hey, let's bring Susan back. But make yeah, her a little she better. looks a lot like Susan. Um, but she comes in, if you notice in this one, she has a very strong, I think, uh, I think it's a, uh, what's it called? Man- uh, Man- Manchester, Mancun, whatever, uh, accent. She has a very strong accent uh, that disappears. Or maybe she's supposed to be Cockney. I don't know. Her accent changes dramatically from this story to the next because I think they were like, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. Stop it. But yes, so the introduction of Dodo is, is why this is most notable. But yeah, this is a this is an oddball story to be sure. <laughs> Here we are, face to face, a couple of silver themes. That's all I got. <laughs> Stop there. Silver themes together, you and I. I that was back when sitcom themes were great, and that, <laughs> that had the, that had the the guy and the, the he had the he was the rich guy with the toys. He had the train or something riding around his living room, and it had Ricky Schroeder who used to creep me out. Why? I don't know. Some of you are Ricky Schroeder used to as a kid, or yeah, yeah, as a kid, like, I was like, I don't know. I didn't like when he mouth. was like. Basically, I don't want my child actors to become adults. Mm. So then it's like he just became like some dude, like he was an adult. I was like, yeah. I don't want to see this guy. Yeah, that's why I was so glad when they just shot Webster. That's right. That's the best. That's, <laughs> it's for the best. It's like Old Yeller. It was the end of Webster's, just exactly like Old Yeller when George just took him out behind the barn and shot. Him. Weird hearing to the repeating themes here. And Manuel Lewis is still alive, everybody. I'm just. I'm just <laughs> is he? I don't know. I have no idea. I see me. He's probably. <laughs> as a podcast about MAGA or something at this point. <laughs> Who knows? We like to look through the sands of time and see different <laughs> concepts that are threaded to them, not unlike Manuel Lewis, uh, yeah. <laughs> as, who, who is both a concept threaded through time, but also... Saying, who likes a, to do that? Or oh, okay. Well, yeah, he is threaded through time, and he also is a fellow traveler who is uh, trying to find these things out. Well, John, what themes did you want to look at for this episode? Uh, so, hang on. Now I just want to know if Emmanuel Lewis is still All right, let's, let's get a check. Mark Dad is still gay. Yes. Emmanuel Lewis. Hi, Manuel he's 52 Lewis. years old. Good for him. Emmanuel Lewis. All right. All right, still living. Okay. Living I in want... Brooklyn. I could get him on the show. <laughs> Let's get him in. Let's get him. In. All right. I'm sorry. I, I wanted to get that. I don't want that cloud hanging over the rest of the episode. If everybody's people yeah. are listening at home and like, Emmanuel Lewis is dead. He's fine, everybody. Fine. And he would want to hear about the theme here, which is um, the companion as the lead. Now, we've talked a little bit about the role of the companion here, but. Obviously, um, in the past, but this is this is you know we have Stephen basically taking on the lead role, right? I mean, Stephen, and actually, um, uh, I believe for the only time in the series history, uh, episode two and three of the massacre do not credit William Hartnell as the doctor because he he doesn't appear. He appears as the abbot, but the doctor does not appear in the episode. Uh, and so, yeah, this is one of the only times I think that doctor the doctor who credit has not appeared in in the credits. Wow. Doctor. Uh, which is really you know, Dr. Light. He's... Yeah, I mean, usually I think there was even um, uh, there was a, there's a story that we'll get to uh, soon. It's a Mission to the Unknown, which is a there was a is a weird thing where they had an extra episode, basically. So they made this sort of one episode story. that was a, a prologue to a Dalek story that none of the regular cast appear in uh, or the target. It's just a storyline that leads into this big epic story. 
Uh, and even that had William Hartnell's name in the credits. It's like, it's still Doctor Who. Like, so he still wow. has a credit. So anyway, so Stephen is the main character. And, and you know, um, I think this, this you know, connects with Clara too, right? Because she certainly has taken on an outsized role um, in, in Doctor Who. Sure. Um, although, you know, we're struggling with her right now uh, in an interesting way as to sort of understanding her. But what, I mean, is the show better about the companions or is the show better about the Doctor? Do you want it to wow. be... Who's more interesting to you? And is it if we were to follow the doctor all the time, uh, would that, you know, demystify him a little bit? Or, you know, is it actually better that we see him through the companion's eyes uh, and that the stories are all about them? Or is the show it's Doctor Who, it's about the doctor uh, and the companions just bouncing and out of the thing? I think I think it's good that it's a mix. And I think that's why the companions work well um, and that they don't go too long without a companion. And even on the show episodes where he doesn't have a companion, like I think of those David Tennant specials, they basically bring in a one episode companion. Yeah. So I think it's important, but I do think the mix there of is the companion leading or there's is the doctor leading has to really end up with the doctor being at least 60, 40, if not 70, 30. But I think like, again, my Favorite season is that first one with uh, Matt Smith and Amy and Rory was a little less. It was really Amy. And I think it was a mix. Like some episodes, Amy's plot really led. Mm-hmm. Some some Matt Smith's uh, plot really led. And it was probably closer to 60-40. But I don't think it could get much more than that. You know, I think I think if the companion started to become the main, the doctor's just kind of like, I'm here too. Look at my <laughs> screwdriver. Uh, I don't think that would work. So I think it has to be a mix. And it's probably better off to be, the doctor is like, you know, you're going to be interested in the doctor's plot line because yeah. of his background. He is like saved the alien. universe. He's this yeah. mythic figure. So, you know, if you go 90, 10 doctor, you're probably still fine. Yeah. But but I think where it works best is when it is like 60, 40, maybe 70, 30. And that that is really part of it. And, you know, that's why, yeah, I'm describing like with Clara. There's been times where it's like, I don't know enough about what's going on. I think. There are periods of Rose's plotline where it got to be like, <laughs> okay, let's like move on from Rose. Like yeah. she is not. And then that's why I think what becomes difficult with both Claire and Rose had these parts. I don't think Amy had this where when they become part of some intergalactic universe level event that kind of it's like, that's not your role. Like right. that, like you could be very important to the doctor, but. I don't think you need you need you need to be a, a person like that is what you are. So when you become bad wolf or whatever that is, I get mm-hmm. it gets weird to me. Like I just that's not who they are. Like it's right. me. They're not you know? the epic figure. The doctor is the epic hero figure. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. and, and I think there's you know a lot of the writers and stuff I've seen. So for example. Uh, they say it's better to keep a distance from the doctor, right? So uh, Andrew Cartmel, who was the script editor during the seventh doctor's era, Sylvester McCoy, you know, he said, he's like, he said, the doctor's like a mountain range off in the distance behind some clouds. And like, he's, you know, sort of see him, but he's, you know, he's a little, it, it's, it's hazy, okay. right? He's yeah. like, the, you know, distant. They, uh, they actually, so the, a lot of the books and novelizations and stuff like that, one of the rules, one of the sort of uh, style rules, in-house style rules was you can't write from the doctor's perspective you can't be like and then the doctor thought hmm i wonder what the you know like it's like you have to it's always the doctor's very third person uh omniscient style versus you know any kind of getting in you couldn't write inside the doctor's head which occasionally they would uh you know obviously uh, drift away from that but 
uh, for the most part, they they would avoid that. Uh, you know, similar kind of arguments. Like, uh, he needs to be a little bit a little bit distant. Also, the Doctor's harder to have character arcs, although they are better yeah. with that uh, in the new series. I think uh, you know he does develop a little bit. Uh, or they yeah, that's do. true. And the companions help there, where it's like, yeah. oh, they're they're learn they're growing and learning. You yeah, know? growing and learning, and they can have an arc, right? A companion can have, and obviously a companion can die, a companion can get buried off, a companion like something. You know, a companion leaves the show. But so I, I, guess I thought the companions like, were just staying at a farm up. In upstate, <laughs> they all live together in a big <laughs> pen, wandering around. Yeah, and it, it, it's like I know it's just this. Uh, Masker's often cited as all right. Well, here's uh, you know, companion running the show, right? Uh, but even there, Stephen is not great. <laughs> he's sort of like no. he spends the whole time looking for the doctor. I do wish uh, the one part about that sort of annoyed me was like the doctor's like, look, I'm just I want to go talk to this guy, and like you're cramping my style, dude. Uh, just hang out here. You can wander around Paris, hang out in the TARDIS, hang out in the bar. Don't get in any trouble. I'll be fine. And the doctor walks off. A grown person who's traveled the universe for who knows how many centuries walks out of the bar. As soon as he does, someone walks into the bar, looks at him kind of funny, and then turns around and walks out because he looks like the abbot, I think. Uh, and Steven is immediately like, oh, I've got to find the doctor. And he's just like instantly like, now I've got to find him. And so the whole time, yeah. like, where is he? Where's my friend? I need him. It's like, and I, that bothered me a little because like, I don't know, like, just be, you know, also use your head a little bit, Steven. Like you're also like, uh, but, but the whole, you know, the doctor is the MacGuffin of the story, right? The whole yeah. story yeah. relies on him finding him uh, and it drives all the action uh, that's going on. And I mean, Stephen is important in this story, but sort of in a hapless way as like he's, you know, warns the Huguenots about what the, the Catholics are trying to do. And, the, you know, he sort of is the uh, is the driver of a few of the events in, in a sense. But, yeah, it's sort of like, yes, he's the main character in the sense that he has the most screen time. Is he really the protagonist taking on? He's not really doing that. So maybe we haven't really seen one. The Doctor's still essential to the story and, and you got to have it. But I don't. Yeah, I don't know if you do. Uh, you know, well, we'll see maybe with these spinoffs that are, I mean, we've seen spinoff stories that are coming out through big finish and stuff, but you know, maybe with these spinoffs that are coming out, it'll be like, well, can, can a companion drive the entire story? But the, uh, well, actually, no, in, you see this in the big finish things, right? Is that you want to create stories in this universe, but as you're saying with the thing about the point about epic stories and stuff, like, like Rose can't defeat the Daleks, right? Like, I mean, if, oh, they, if she that. did that, then it'd just be like, well, I guess anybody can. <laughs> like, like, so, or like they do the spinoff of Jago and Lightfoot from Talents of Wing Chai and it's great and they have but they do have sort of monsters and ghosts and things from other dimensions and things like that that appear in the stories and they have to be very careful to be like they sort of figure out what's happening but they sometimes just accidentally blunder into a solution or yeah they can't just be like oh this is from another dimension like they can't be the doctor because if clara and a rose or whatever save the universe then you're like oh so then no big deal. They weren't just like a random companion he came up to. This was like this super important person that, yeah. you know, whereas that doesn't seem to be the nature of the companions. They seem to be, yeah, they're us. I mean, like they're they're along for the ride and and that's so that's fun to watch and you want to see how they're affected and changed. Mm-hmm. But and and I think there's situations where the everyday person of them it helps the doctor save the universe. That's what we want to see. But I think if they become, you know, Superman also, then mm-hmm. it's like, well, then Superman's not that interesting anymore if if, if everybody's there. There's a great, that was a, as a discarded uh, Marvel character or a DC character was uh, Superman also. <laughs> <laughs> All right. How you doing, John? I'm checking Good. in. Good. We're doing well. The, about the one hour mark. Yeah. yeah. Listen. 
there are 300 official Doctor Who television stories. And to be frank, it's getting a little much, I think. <laughs> Although, wait, so when is the new one coming out? I ask every single time. We still, so the trailer, we just had a trailer drop, but uh, uh, by the time uh, you listen to this episode, we're recording, obviously, we're, we're recording this in 2015. Uh, <laughs> but by the, time, no, by the time you listen to this episode, uh, you will all know. So I can't give you any information. We'll know when the date is. You'll know the date. Okay. Yeah, I, I imagine. I imagine the, the, by the, by mid October, we'll, we'll have some sense of it. So as of this recording, I can't like hold up a newspaper to show yeah. <laughs> prove <laughs> the just, time. We have no idea. We only know that Emmanuel Lewis is alive. <laughs> and well and living in Brooklyn as of the moment of this recording we've ranked 178 of these we're gonna add two more which will mean we'll have ranked 180 stories of Doctor Who which is very exciting I can't fault your numbers (laughs) I'm gonna start here the big 9-0 I ranked these one and two (laughs) there we go it was faster it was just easier (laughs) listen I enjoyed it still, it felt, it felt more like some of that Moffat magic, but felt a little disjointed and mm-hmm. left me confused, which isn't bad. Like, I mean, you want to watch it again, but where some of the Moffat scripts really work well, or when you just watch, you're like, wow, that was great. I want to show that to other people be like, mm-hmm. you should watch this show. Look at this. Whereas like, I wouldn't do that with this episode. I yeah. would be like, oh, I'm interested. This is cool. But if you're walking in out of nowhere and you're taking off your hat and coat, I would be like, hey, watch this episode. <laughs> It'd be like, I don't know what this is. So I, I I ranked it relatively high, though. I ranked it 53 out of 180. Not too Ooh. shabby. All right. Get yeah. off my back, Capaldi. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. All right. <laughs> so that's that. And then the massacre was really hurt for me, again, by the audio only. It's a hard one. But also... I didn't like the Stephen led episode. Yeah. I actually liked the couple of bookend parts where the doctor was still around much more. Uh, so I have it in the bottom half, not like in the basement or anything, but I have it 108. Okay. I have it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should have mentioned uh, the listen I have right next to actually the crusade from last week mm-hmm. and uh, right above into the Dalek. They feel very of a piece to me. They're both like good so far. Capaldi episodes. Mm-hmm. But the other one, the massacre, I have just above the wheel in space, which I didn't mind as much as you, mm-hmm. and just below three doctors' journey to the center of the TARDIS. So, like, yeah, mid middling, a little mm-hmm. bit on the lower half mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got um, I've got listen a little bit higher. I've got listen at number thirty three. I um, I agree. It doesn't quite have. I think, I think you have it at thirty one, actually. Oh, thirty one. I don't know how to read this chart. Yeah, it's thirty one. Okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh well then that changes my analysis entirely okay <laughs> all right uh yeah i i think it it doesn't quite have the same moffat magic as it is it uh, i think exactly as you're saying right where at the end you're just like oh wow that all just came together in an incredibly satisfying way i think it comes close though i think again that moment where she grabs his ankle under the bed is like really well yeah. well done i like what it's trying to say about the doctor you're right it's a bit disjointed you really have to pay attention to it uh i think and really um it, it does feel a bit disjointed i like all the stuff with clara and uh, uh danny's date i thought was very good uh and uh and yeah i mean and, it, and then it's got some great individual scenes that whole scene with rupert 
uh, pink is very good. So I've got that right around. Uh, what do I got that around? Uh, 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 Doctor's Wife. Yeah, it's in my concept episodes, right? The Doctor's Wife, also a similar one where it was sort of like, oh, what's the, um, uh, you know, this is sort of uh, this interesting, weird concept kind of thingy. Uh, right? Reunion, like, you have it just around. Yeah, Soul Reunion, which is, yeah. Um, so it's it's good. It's a solid episode. Uh, the Massacre, a bit lower. Um, uh, I struggle with it, um, you know, as I was uh, listening to it. I, so I've heard it a few times now. It's not one, obviously. I, obviously, I listen to it every day, once a day, uh, <laughs> every morning on my commute to work. No, I've heard it a few times. It's not one you come back to very often because it's very rich and, and sort of heavy uh, going. So I think I was... You know, now I, I definitely remember listening to the first couple of times and not having a clue what was going on. It is very hard to tell who's who. There are a lot of characters that relies on. It seems like you need some historical knowledge to make it make sense. I did. I think, I, again, I hit on the uh, I'm not sure I'm 100 percent. I wanted Stephen to be a little bit smarter. It's like, dude, stop yelling yeah. the doctor's name every time you see him. Maybe be cool for a second. <laughs> you don't know what he's doing. I did hit upon sort of the idea. I think it was about halfway through of being like, oh, it is like Stephen is just thinks he's in a Doctor Who episode and everybody else is in right, a right. theater episode. That made it interesting to me. And it made me almost like I almost like in the hands of Stephen Moffat or somebody, would that be more interesting? So I've got it at number 62, possibly, or or possibly 60. <laughs> 61. Uh, 61. 61. There it is. All right, around there. Uh, just above Ambassadors of Death, I think. Uh, and uh, um, it's kind of in my uh, it's it's. It gets a lot of points because it's it's this great dialogue uh, and great uh, and great performances. Um, uh, and it's kind of like it's the kind of thing that if I'm if I and I get this occasionally, it's like if I want to be like mm, I'm going to be sophisticated and listen to sophisticated costume drama and feel like I'm very smart. I would definitely listen to that. Right. It's also probably I think I also did. Uh, listen to it over two days, which helps <laughs> uh, to spread it out. So, yeah. Well, you have it in the, th- oh, I mean, that's the top third, you know? Yeah, that's- yeah solid. Because, again, I think those performances are, uh, it makes it solid for me. Um, but it's well, not as much fun as the Crusade, which is in a similar category, right? I, I didn't, when I was putting yeah. this all together, I didn't quite realize back to back I was going to have it be quite so. Yeah, uh, two heavy historical first historical doctors. Yeah. Audio, mainly audio, oh, missing <laughs> episodes. So, Listen ends up tied at 32 for mm-hmm. the, when we combine our scores together. Oh, like I was Voltron. correct. You were You're wrong. correct. Uh, it is tied with the five doctors. Oh, the yeah. anniversary yeah. Uh, yeah. schedule, which I have ranked low and you have ranked very high. So that's why it ends up there. Uh-huh. Just above the doctor's wife and adventure in time and space. Uh, interesting one is, is ranked up there. So then the massacre have at 87. It's tied with terror of the autons, which is weird to me. Cause then yeah, those are very different stories. Very different. Mm. Although you actually, you know what? We just said they're very different, but you ranked, you ranked them very similarly and I ranked them very similarly. But, but anyway, uh, just above ghost light, which I have no memory of. That's the seventh doctor in the haunted house with the, with the evolution and the sounds yeah. terrible. I ranked it one <laughs> one thirty four. So, so there we are. You can find these rankings on mine. Well, wait, uh, I'll give you the the doctor. Oh magazine. yes, sorry, the yeah. magazine. Yeah. Rankings. So here's yes. the magazine rankings. Um, so until we get sued by Doctor Who magazine for re- reading these on the air, and that's uh, our hope. Yeah. We would love to get some press on this. Uh, listen high up on the so number twelve out of thirty five for uh Ooh. for the Peter Capaldi era. I think a, a generally pretty popular one uh, with him. I think uh, again, I, I think a lot of people thought the 
revealing the young doctor might be uh, controversial, but I think it was done in a way that liked. Yeah. Uh, and then the massacre actually surprised me. Uh, the massacre at number 11 uh, out of 29 of the uh, first doctor, actually above the crusade, uh, uh, two oh. above the crusade, which we just listened to, which surprises me. Uh, and I don't know. So the, the one thing about the Doctor Who magazine is the survey is that you're supposed to just give uh, you're supposed to, each story you rank one out of 10, you know, 10 being I love it. Uh, and you can give as many 10s as you want or whatever. And uh, but they said, but if you don't have to rank ones that you've never watched, um, that wouldn't make any sense. Oh, so, so a it's lot possible of that people, a lo- few people have actually seen this one and or ranked it. And so the only people that ranked it are the people who really liked it. So that may be driving also, the numbers. I also wonder if a lot of people you know, it was missing and then they yeah. finally could watch some of it. And so it's like, Oh, this is so cool. Like I got to see it, you know? Well, here, the massacre is, there's no, no video. He, hear it. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. But you know, I yes, just mean, it is very lost. Of, like, a missing lost. Thing yeah. is, um, yeah. And it's one, I think um, uh, it's one, again, we're all heavily, Dr. Who fans are heavily influenced by the few reference books that were out there. Uh, and for a long time, this one was talked up as like, Oh yes, this uh, William Hartnell gives a really stunning performance as the Abbot. And it's like, well, he only has like four <laughs> lines. I don't, really know <laughs> so there's also a little bit of like ah yes this was a great chance for william hard to reflex his acting chops in the five <laughs> lines that he had uh yeah so uh, uh yeah so um, there, there you go now you it, can tell them where the interesting well yeah. none of that well i'm glad you said that because none of that is on my none of that is available you gotta get that here on the podcast you, get that, yeah, you gotta get that straight from the horse's mouth but if you want to see our rankings you can go to mindprobe.show website you can have course you can subscribe to us on the website you can subscribe to us apple Podcasts, spotify uh if you're Do not all wa- those places all those places yeah. if you're not watching on video right now we're on video on Hi. youtube also you can subscribe to the podcast on youtube and watch it there basically the last uh 15 or so episodes are on YouTube yeah. and we will, we didn't want to do any until we got really humming with this. So really we waited done. for, we waited about 75 episodes and then, and then I said to Porter one night, I was like, Hey, you know, I think we got this down. Let's, let's uh, just, and then we pivoted the crash. Yeah. <laughs> so you can see that we'd love it. If you subscribe on those places, we'd all, we'd also love if you would give a, a rating on the iTunes store or give a, a thumbs one, up on YouTube. We would love that. Or just, just give it a thumbs up while you're listening to it. <laughs> yeah, just, I'm just sure. I'm sure. And then people around you are going to be like, why is your thumb in the air? And you're like, because I am loving this podcast. And then you'll have to tell them about mindprobe.show and they'll, they'll subscribe. And and please like, I love up. being probed. And they're going to be like, wait, what? Right. Yeah, that's right. Say that. Use say that. that exact phrase. <laughs> I love being probed. <laughs> please do tell friends about the show you think might be interested in. <laughs> Maybe it's a friend who likes Doctor Who. Maybe <laughs> you like Doctor Who and you have a friend like I was three years ago. You've been begging to watch Doctor Who. Well, you can be like, this is us. And then you're like, wait, the show, this is us? You think we want to watch that together? Like, no, no, no. And then you know what? You'll talk as people finally. And that friend of yours who, you know, you we're always looking at our phones, right? Yeah. yeah. So let's look at other people let, on YouTube. And also let's <laughs> listen to the podcast oh, yeah, on your phone. With each other. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to all say that, all that, Don agrees with all that. It was going to be really witty, and I completely forgot what it was, but um, yeah. But yeah, you can also on. email us porter at mindprobe.show, john at mindprobe.show. Well. Well. You, you don't, 
email us, but you could. You could. Um, that option is so, out there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I haven't checked that email in months. So you may be. It's like Schrodinger's email. You may have emailed us. Well, we just it. don't know. Schrodinger's email. <laughs> uh, what do we have in store for next episode? Well, I um, hope you, you know what? If you like if you like heists, if you like a caper. Are you interested ooh. in a caper, Porter? Sure. Uh, because yeah. we get some capers coming up uh, in the next, next storyline. Thankfully, I did not have to reach quite as far back in the obscure connections uh, archives for this one. Yeah, the next uh, Peter Capaldi, Jenna Coleman story, the Twelfth Doctor in Time Heist, uh, where they're in a, they're in a, they're trying to, they're trying to rob a bank vault, basically. Fun little Ocean's Eleven-y kind of yeah. thing, but not Sounds with the, they couldn't afford Eleven, so it's oh. like an Ocean's like five, five, yeah, and also, uh, but George Clooney, man, you can't keep that man away from anything. Yeah, so uh, going off the sort of heists uh con artist thing i've paired that with a fourth doctor uh i'm sorry i was hoping for another lengthy black and white audio only adventure for you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh unfortunately uh had to go with a fourth doctor romana story first romana the rebos operation oh mm, yeah well john I'll watch those. You will. I think you should. I think you should. I will. I'll do it. I mean, I, I, I it's, I've committed. It's a good, good four-parter. It's a nice one. Uh, and it's a little palate cleanser because we're going to go right back into the Hartnell black and white ones after that. But don't worry. Oh, all on video. All I on don't video. mind the Hartnell black and white ones. It's it's really the sixth and seventh doctor who test me. <laughs> who test me. Yeah. Our doctor uh, group just watched the sixth doctor one and, and we were all just like, Yeah. Oh, there that is. <laughs> <laughs> Mindprobe.show.